The police had found immediate success with their debut album Outlandos de Moor in 1978 and scored an even bigger hit with Regatta de Blanc the following year. By the time they entered the studio to record their third album in the summer of 1980, according to Ultimate Classic Rock, from which much of this account is sourced, their unique blend of pop, punk, new wave, and reggae had made them stars, and they definitely felt the pressure of delivering an even bigger, better follow-up. That follow-up would be titled Zenyata Mandata, and we're inducting it into the Drive Rock of Fame on the 40th anniversary of its release. The album was written during the band's second tour and recorded in four weeks. The band members have often expressed disappointment over the album, going so far as to re-record two songs during a brief, unsuccessful reunion in 1986. Drummer Stuart Copeland said about the time pressures, quote, We'd bitten off more than we could chew. We finished the album at 4 a.m. on the day we were starting our next world tour. We went to bed for a few hours and then traveled down to Belgium for the first gig. It was cutting it very fine. Quote, we're now at an agonizing time, Sting told the Observer newspaper in early 1980 when they were working on this album. We've had a great success with the first album. We've managed to beat the problem of the second album. But now over the next few months, we must do the third. We've mastered doing a kind of white reggae, and it would be easy to continue in that vein, but we want to do something more than just explore the interface between reggae and rock. Blonde reggae won't do by itself. It wasn't just figuring out ways of expanding their sound that concerned the guys. Since signing with A&M for Outlandos in 1978, the band had resolutely insisted on handling their career on their own terms, wresting artistic control from the label and recording their first couple of albums on the cheap. For their first American tour, they famously schlepped their own gear from venue to venue in a Ford Econoline van. Staying so grounded helped keep them in the eye of the storm when things started to take off. But as guitarist Andy Summers later admitted, it also meant they had very little time to process their newfound fame or even to work on new material. At the start of that first American tour, recalled Summers, quote, My wife was heavily pregnant when I left, seven and a half to eight months. When I got home, it was like a dead rush. It was supposed to be a week off, the delivery date, and she had the baby two days later. The first year, the group was starting to snowball, and here we had this kid. We're trying to keep ourselves together, and all of a sudden, big success. It's very difficult. It was the hardest year of my life, I think. People who knew us intimately can't understand how we could get through it and keep our sanity. The rise of the police also dovetailed with an overall downturn in music sales. While Regatta de Blanc proved enormously profitable for the label, margins were down throughout the industry. And as Copeland pointed out, the band members were acutely aware of how many people were relying on them to deliver another hit with the next album. As Sting later pointed out, they were desperately trying to deliver a hit under what felt like a microscope. Quote, obviously when you make a record, you want it to be a hit. There's been that kind of pressure before. This became different, Sting says. The industry pressure. You could feel it during conversations with people in the industry. You'd hear about retailers waiting for your album to come out. So you'd be in the middle of making an album, and you know about all these people waiting for it, including the record buyers, of course. And you started hoping that people were going to enjoy it. It's a terrible pressure to have. Asked to rate the police records in order of his favorites by an interviewer, Copeland said, I'd put it at about number five. Mostly, that's not because of the quality of the album. I'm the worst judge of which albums are the best or worst. For me, it's all about the experience of making it. The third album, Zenyatta, was when the record company were in our face and saying, quote, guys, you've had two hit albums now. You score with this one here and you're going to the top. This is the big one. This is the big chance. Come on, guys. We need to hear hits, 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 hits. They're in the studio literally staring at the floor, listening to the playbacks and deciding, is this a hit? Is this not a hit? Meanwhile, 
That was the beginning of it, becoming just not our thing. It was the beginning of the corporate existence of the band. Further complicating things was the fact that the band's manager and Copeland's brother, Miles Copeland, had booked a tour that only left them four weeks to record this album. Holed up with returning producer Nigel Gray in the Netherlands, they found themselves short on time, at each other's throats, and feeling like each of their careers were at stake. All this stress manifested itself in various ways, up to and including arguments between the band members over how parts should be played and which songs deserve to make the cut. For Sting, who wrote the lion's share of the material, these fights often proved particularly personal. And even when he wasn't responsible for the composition in question, he could be an incredibly unforgiving rival in these arguments. At these sessions, battle lines were deeply drawn over the summer's instrumental Behind My Camel, which ended up making the album over Sting's extreme objections. Quote, as hard done by as I ever felt in this band, I could always take comfort in the fact that Andy got shafted even worse than I did on that little instrumental, Copeland admitted in 2000. Quote, Sting didn't even bother to play on it. Andy played all the bass and guitars, and I only played on the song because there wasn't anybody else to play drums. Sting laughs, I hated that song so much. One day when I was in the studio, I found the tape lying on a table, so I took it around the back of the studio and actually buried it in the yard. Asked by Sound Vapors what the band's reaction was when Behind My Camel won the Best Rock Instrumental Performance Grammy, Copeland replies, quote, Joy, my heart filled with joy, and poor old Sting just had to sit there and take it. Bitter as their disagreements could be, the trio was working toward a common goal, making the best possible album. And although they often saw things differently, they were still enough of a unit that they understood they were stronger together than they were apart. Zenyatta Mondata saw the band's lyrics turning toward political events, with Sting's driven to tears, commenting on poverty, and Copeland's bombs away referring to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. These themes would become more prevalent in the police's next album, Ghost in the Machine. As for the album's title, Copeland said the band came up with it just because it rolled off the tongue. Zenyatta Mondata are just invented words. They hint at Zen, at Jomo Kenyatta, at the French word for the world, Le Monde and at Regatta from the previous album's name, Regatta de Blanc. As Stuart Copeland explained, it means everything. It's the same explanation that applies to the last two. It doesn't have a specific meaning like police brutality or police arrest or anything predictable like that. Being vague says a lot more. You can interpret it in a lot of different ways. It's not an attempt to be mysterious, just syllables that sound good together, like the sound of a melody that has no words at all, has a meaning. Zenyatta Mondata was released on October 3rd, 1980, and was predictably uneven as a result of the pressure the band was under to produce a hit and the time pressure of the short production schedule. Fortunately for the band, the high points were more than enough to compensate for any flaws in the track listing, starting with the opening track and lead-off single, Don't Stand So Close to Me, which went to number two in Canada, number 10 in the U.S., and gave the band its first significant American hit since Roxanne edged into the top 40 in the spring of 1979. The record's second single, Da Do 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 Da 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 Da, went number one in Canada and gave the band another top ten American hit. Senyata Mondata also had the police making their first real inroads on the American album charts, where it spent almost three years on that chart, peaked at number five, went double platinum, and snagged a pair of Grammys, one for Don't Stand So Close to Me, which took home best rock performance by a duo or group with vocal, and one, as we mentioned, presumably to Sting's chagrin for Behind My Camel which won that Best Rock Instrumental performance. Here in Canada, the album peaked at number two on the album chart. Once again, the band had managed to surpass its own lofty standards for success. 
In a contemporary review of the album, David Frick of Rolling Stone described it as, quote, near-perfect pop by a band that bends all the rules and sometimes makes musical mountains out of molehill-sized ideas and complimented the band's, quote, elastic interplay. It would later receive glowing reviews from reassessments in Rolling Stone, among others. Despite this, it's the only Police album not to have a spot on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. That's okay, though, because induction into the drive rock of fame will for sure make up for that oversight, right? I'm Kelly Parker.